Hello, welcome to Skull RPG Podcast. My name is Dwight Skull. My name is Jacob Skull. And today we're going to teach you how to tell, tell your, your story. story. So Dwight, since we've already talked about our idea and we fleshed it out a little bit, what we need to do now is tackle the subplots. Sure, and the main plot as well, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, so how we develop plots and subplots and kind of why you should do it, and then we'll do it um, directly. Uh, so a plot, if you remember back to your whatever grade you were in in elementary school and high school when you talked about this sort of stuff, is basically defined by a major conflict and the stuff leading up to the conflict and then the quick resolution afterward. It kind of looks like a very slow, um, huge wave that then quickly mm-hmm. terminates. Um, so a plot is basically around a conflict. So you want to create your one-sentence conflict that you basically want to have everything culminate in. So in our case, it's going to be an extra planar um, entity has sent agents to your world, your plane, to cause the two biggest kingdoms, the two superpowers to fight against one another so that they can deplete their own resources so that now the world is primed for that extra planar person to open up a portal and send in their own armies of demons or devils or angels or whatever. It could be elementals. It mm-hmm. could be anything. It doesn't matter what it is, but something from not our world yeah. is going to invade. And of course the, you know, they're going to enslave our world or whatever it is. Okay. So you have that one sentence conflict um, and yours obviously will probably be different, but each one sentence conflict is very helpful. So then what you want to do is you want to build a subplot. Now, a subplot is basically a stepping stone to get you to the major plot. It also is really good to have a subplot because then you don't forget to keep building the tension and building up to the plot. So I always like to aim for three subplots in your your game. Um, In my uh, Learn to Tell Your Story, it's a freebie. You can go onto our website and grab skullrpg.com. Uh, what I talk about there is thinking about your, your entire game as like a, a play. And so, um, all good plays have three acts. Some have more, some have less, but they, they try to have three acts. And so each act is like a subplay where we have a beginning, a middle, and an end. But that end then takes us to the beginning of the next act, which then does the same thing, which takes us to the beginning of the next act. And in that act, we have the final conflict of the entire play. And then, it quickly wraps up and everybody goes home. Mm-hmm. So what I like to do is I want to start with the last subplot of the last act first. And so in this case, the players' fears are realized and the invasion that they thought could be happening is true. And now they need to rally the remaining groups of whoever's left after that big battle of the two con- the two kingdoms together so that they can seal the portal cut off the uh, advancing armies of the extraplanar creatures and quote unquote, you know, save the world. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So then we got to back up though. How do we get to there? And so, well, we need a war, right? Yeah. So they need to participate in said war, but they also need to start uncovering that maybe the chief advisor or chief advisory board aren't what they seem. Maybe they're not even human. Maybe they're disguised as human. Maybe your people figure that out. And then they risk treason to expose them. 
And so maybe the concept here is that your players are determining as they're going through this, they're starting to realize things aren't correct, things aren't right. They start putting things together. They start realizing maybe they unmask a chief advisor or something and realize that that person isn't really human. Or maybe they are human and they're being paid really well, like that there's this promise being made from the extraplanar creatures that, you know, they'll have, I don't know, money, women, and power, right? Whatever the, <laughs> whatever the thing is. So, um, and obviously in this subplot number two, there's the war. Like mm -hmm. that's the, the war is here. Well, and then the first thing we want to do is we're going to introduce our factions and your players are just happy to be helping. Um, and so they're going to prepare for the war. Maybe they're um, on the espionage information spy tactics site, uh, uh, side. This could help because you could introduce characters in subplot one that they could use to rally with in subplot three from the other faction because they're doing spy work. Or they got tidbits of information to your subplot two and one. So now they have that little bit of a foreshadowing all exactly. the way through. Yeah, you can start dropping hints in subplot one, which and also people that they'll run into in two and three that then cement themselves in the final the final culmination. So here's what I would think. Um, uh, the beginning of this adventure, in my opinion, would look a lot like a heist or a sp and spy genre, um, but set in the fantasy world with magic and the normal rules of Dungeons and Dragons mm -hmm. or Pathfinder or whatever you're going to, but that kind of world. Um, and so I would look, I would go to movies like Ocean's Eleven, um, maybe The Born Identity. Um, I would kind of stick away from Bond per se. But Italian Jobs, not a bad one. For heists, absolutely not. Um, I'd also look at, there's another, uh, if you're really into really slow spy, but really good, The Russia House is a good movie to look into. But I'd start looking into like, how are we going to do spy and espionage heist stuff? And so the players are constantly being asked to go maybe across the lines and working with other people as agents and double agents and those sorts of things to try to send information, get information, put false information in. In the meantime, they're also trying to solidify, you know, this other faction is really evil. Although to be fair, it's probably not. It's just the kingdom on the other side of the river, the mountain pass, right? But regardless, that's what the first part of this whole thing is about. Now, the middle of this adventure is going to look like a lot of war or mercenary type of genres um, where you're going to have, um, you know, you could look at maybe a Saving Private Ryan or other kind of war movies like that to kind of get a good feel for battle. You might have a couple of big battles where they're involved, not that they're running the show, but they're involved in their little quadrant of it. And they can kind of see that war is maybe not as awesome as it is depicted as, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of death, destruction, those sorts of things. But in that, as they're starting to do these wars, these mercenaries, they're starting to maybe feel that some of these advisors are sending armies into harm's way. Like they're wanting these big battles because... They're costly. They're yeah, they're costly, right? Where in a real war, you don't want a big battle. You want more of a. If I can send five guys in and kill a guy, I'd rather do that than send a thousand guys against his thousand guys. Yeah. But they maybe start getting the feel. Maybe they start intercepting messages. Maybe they start interrogating people, and they start understanding like these guys actually are really wanting to just bleed their own kingdom. And uh, they're, you know, like, to be honest, if you're going to fight somebody, 
you want to make sure that you don't fight them on their terms. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, if you want to win, you want to fight on your terms. You want to have the unfair advantage. And it looks like every time you guys are going to fight, everyone's fighting on equal ground, you know, and certain things where maybe like there's like, oh, we can ambush the enemy here. And then you get told that you're not allowed to do that. You know, where you're being told you're not allowed to actually take the upper advantage. Maybe that's how they start realizing, wait, these advisors aren't actually good for us. Um, and then in this, you could have some names drop, some names that would be otherworldly, you know, demonic, elemental names, whatever your outsiders are going to be. And then the last part of this genre could go several different ways. Um, I would probably do it in political with a little bit of war. I mean... It might be all wore out by the end of uh, subplot two, but subplot three, um, what had happened is maybe after one of the last more costlier battles, all of a sudden there's a portal that opens up in the sky and armies of the enemy start pouring out of it. Mm -hmm. And you and maybe some of the survivors from the other factions start running away together and you realize, wait a minute, this has all been a setup. Maybe you finally, like I said before, like, the players are realizing that this invasion is absolutely true. Their worst fears are being, you know, known. And then um, they can start to rally together and do a pushback to close that portal, kill off the chief advisors of both parties. And then you can be functionally done with the story if you wanted right there. But you could realize that, you know, there's a lot of things that got through. Right. Mm -hmm. And just because you've now stopped the major portal, which is, you know, from opening, there's still a handful of, quote unquote, enemy generals and small armies running around from the other side. Yeah, you just cut the supply line off of the army. There's still forces here and you could end before that. And you have this aura of intrigue of did you actually stop that the world from ending or you could keep it going. Right. So one of the things you could do is you could... um. You could say, you know, you know, the one thing I like to do is uh, I like to leave an open end, right? So mm -hmm. you could go back to the world if you wanted, and you could start picking up where um, the players then are the same players they are, and they start fighting those those people to hunt them all down. To me, that feels a little boring, though. What I would rather do, if I was going to do that, if we were going to all agree to play in the same world again, I'd put them 100 years later. To the aftermath, whatever happened. Right. And so maybe now there's a third kingdom that's filled with some of these elementals and they're just now, um, they've, ga they've gained a foothold and they're starting to grow now. They haven't been able to open up the portal back to their home world. They can't do that. But maybe there's rumors that they're able to. And then you can start this whole thing again where that conflict in that world is to stop the enemy from opening up a portal and sealing the fate of what they wanted to do the first time we played this game. Mm -hmm. And so then you'd have a subplot. Uh, one would be you finding out that there's, that the, the kingdom's growing and, you know, those sorts of things. And maybe subplot two on that would be um, you're gathering an army and still trying to put together an unsteady uh, relationship with that second kingdom that still doesn't trust you. Because mm -hmm. now there's three factions at war. Um, and so trying to convince them to work with you and you're not going to backstab them. And then the third one would be going to war, hopefully as a unified front, but maybe you fail. Maybe it's just you guys, one kingdom going to war. And then you go to war against this to stop that, that 
you know, whatever that other kingdom is, the elementals, the demons, or whatever, from being able to open up that portal and you put a good chunk of them down. And then, of course, you have the next part of, well, maybe the second, you know, what happens after the war ends? Does the second kingdom backstab you? Did they not join you and they back, they sacked your capital when you sacked the capital of the extra planar guys? I mean, so you could keep, as you can see, this concept lends yourself to going, okay, well, here's a year or two story, which is followed by another year or two story in the same world, which then has another opening for another year or two story. And you could keep playing in the same world where you're just advancing time and looking at natural outcomes from the player's decisions. Yep. And their successes and their failures. So anyway, that is how I would run like all of the plots and the subplots. And so um, honestly, this is what I do for everything I think about because it really gives me the ability to tell an entire cohesive story. And if you want to know more about that, um, you can go on to our website, skullrpg.com and uh, go to courses. There's a thing called Just Enough Planning and that entire thing handles all of this concept that we're talking about here. Thanks. Hey, thanks for listening. And for more resources, please go to skullrpg.com.